the first chapter and the first few verses. Yesterday, September 18th, is what is considered in the Jewish holidays one of the most important feasts of the season, of the year, the, the most holiest day. And that most holiest day is called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Covering. That is the day where the priest met at the, at the altar of the high priest and offered blood before the throne of God, before the Holy of Holies. Those words may mean absolutely nothing to you and I. If, if you don't study a lot of Judaism, if you're not caught up with the teachings of, of uh, Brother Perry and Brother Billy and um, several, several great teachers, they focus on the feasts and the sacrifices of the Old Testament because all the feasts and, tab and sacrifices of the Old Testament line up with Jesus Christ. There are type and shadows of things that have come. There are type and shadow of things that are here right now. And they are a type and a shadow of things that have already been. But for some reason, God made this day holy. And on this day, the day of days, the priest went with blood, offered upon the mercy seat seven times. And if the sacrifice was accepted, all of the sins that were committed on credit, kind of unusual phrasing, all the sins committed, all the sins they had done the year before up until this date was forgiven. When they prepared the lamb for the priest to take before the Holy of Holies, it was a lamb that they had purchased about six months earlier. And it was a lamb they brought into their house and just adopted it as the family pet. They gave the, they gave the lamb a name. And for the next six months, they loved on the lamb. They hugged on the lamb. I don't know if you've had the privilege of holding a, holding a baby lamb. They won't bite you. They don't growl at you. They're not aggressive. Sheep, Christian sheep are supposed to be like that too, but I'm not sure what happened in all of that. <laughs> but they're, they're so soft, they're so lovable, and they're so huggable. But on that day of Yom Kippur, the family name would be tied around the neck of that lamb. If it was a, representing the Davis family, the, 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 the name would be Davis on the lamb's neck. And while the family watched, they took that precious adopted pet, that lovable animal that they had named and made their friend allowed to sleep at their feet. They watched as the high priest took an, a knife and slit the throne, throat of that lamb. And of course, you can imagine how the children must have reacted, how the uh, ladies always get fond to a particular animal. That's not their fault, but the animal attaches them more than the man. So the, so the mom is heartbroken, the children are heartbroken, but that name tag around that lamb's neck represented every single mistake that family had made that year. And when the blood hit the altar and was taken before the Holy of Holies, God forgave their sins of that entire year. And we know that all of those, all of those sacrifices, all those type and shadows point at Calvary. We know that Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. We know that Jesus was without spot, without blemish. We know there were over a hundred prophecies that talked about his coming, about a hundred prophecies that talked about his death and resurrection, and prophecies concerning his return. And I just happen to believe if he's filled almost all 300 of the ones that said he had to fill, I think he can fill about 10 more, don't you? I don't think it's going to be too much for him to do that. So when we talk about Judaism, we talk about the things of God, we talk about the things of Israel, the feasts, 
a few Sundays, I'm going to be talking about the Kalil, the Ashes of the Red Heifer, where actually Indiana Jones, the movie, was filmed after a particular article they were looking for, the Ark of the Covenant. But the real Vindal Jones is not looking for the Ark of the Covenant. He's looking for a container that holds ashes of a heifer. And I'll be talking a little bit more about it later in, in the year. But if you're not around people who teach us all the time, some of this stuff can be absolutely brand new to you. But I have good news for you today. Because of Yom Kippur, because Jesus shed his own blood and entered in the Holy of Holies of Heaven, we have the authority to do the very same thing, go to the presence of God, enjoy his voice, enjoy his glory, enjoy his presence on us. When the word said, if you believe in me and the works that I do, shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father, he is referring to our ability to worship God. Can you imagine just one, one day a year, September 18th, every single year, following decades. One day a year, the, pre, the priest went into the Holy of Holies, offered angel for his own sins and for, the, and for the sins of all the people, and the glory of God filled that tabernacle, and that priest came out, and you couldn't touch him for seven days. He was under a glory cloud, and he would come out, and the people would look and say, man, what, what would it be like to go in God's presence? What would it be like to feel his love and his power and all those good things? But when Jesus said, it is finished at Calvary, something happened in the Holy of Holies. When he said, it is finished, the veil that separated God from man rent from the top to the bottom. And now, do you know what we can do? Any day of the year, any day, time of day, any time of hour, because of Calvary, we can go beyond that rent veil, the body of Christ, and we can stand, we can praise him, we can worship him, we can sense him, and we declare, now behold the Lamb, he's a lamp that was slain from the foundations of the world to heal me as you begin to study some of these practices and some of these teachings there's, there's great teaching out there concerning Judaism we find that on this day of Yom Kippur God promises eight things for his people to set you up today for that promise that God has given you I want you to look at Judges the first chapter we'll probably, probably try to do a lot of this by memory but the very first page of Judges 1 it says this the people went to God and said, who shall go first against the enemy? Now, up until this time, God had been talking to Moses. God had been talking to Joshua. God had been talking to Caleb. But there's this moment of silence when God no longer seems to speak to his people, but he communicates through him through an ephod. Now, young people, I want to explain this to you because it's really freaky. It's really cool. It's really awesome. And I hope that one day that we will see it. But in Exodus, God told the workmen to make a beautiful shield, and on that shield there were to be 12 stones. To be five, I'm, I'm sorry, 10 stones. Five on one side, five on the other. And depending upon the age of the son, Judah or Levi or Simeon, the, son, the stone was in order. Now, when, when Jesus gave us the stones, he gave us 12 precious stones, the, the disciples and the apostles. But when they had these 12 stones, they would go before God, and they would say, God, what do you want to do? Who do you want to go up against the enemy first? And whatever community, whatever village God wanted to send, that stone would light up. So when they went to God, and the ephod began to shine through the prophet, for the, through the priest, the, the ephod said, send Judah first. Now, what does that mean to anybody in this house? We know that there are trees in California that will not grow unless they're grafted. I'm, my father had a beautiful avocado tree, but, but Chris, I'm sure it's still beautiful. But not a, never a single avocado fell from that tree. 
a husband, a husbandman that knew what he was doing would go take another avocado tree, slice off a limb, and he would go to that original tree and gouge out a hole, and they would tape that limb to that tree, and that limb would begin to grow. And as that limb began to grow, it matured and nurtured the, the seed of that avocado, so that all of a sudden this tree starts producing avocados. Does that help anybody? See, the word said he came into his own, and his own re received him not. But to as many as received him, we are the vine grafted into the tree that have all the blessings of Abraham, all the blessings of Isaac, all the blessings of Jacob, everything that God intended for them to have, God gave us that and more. Someone say, praise God, and more. We do not, we do not honor Yom Kippur. We do not honor the, the, the Sabbath. We do not honor the holidays. They are honored. And there are some churches that choose. Rosh Hashanah, I guess, just took place about three or four days ago. There are churches that focus on that. But when you know who you are in Christ, then there are no certain days that God's going to move. There's no certain days that God's going to heal. No certain days that God's going to answer. He's going to do it every day because he went beyond the veil and separated that wall from God and man. Does that excite anybody in the house? This, this army of Joshua was bad to the bone. They marched around a city and they crashed and burned. And Joshua went out and began to take over the land, began to dest destroy, defend everything over to God. But Joshua, like me, got a little old and he stopped going out to battle. And they had raised up a generation who knew how to fight, but never had the chance. And so God impresses upon their spirit, there are more things in this area that you need to conquer. So when they go before God and God says, send Judah first, how natural, Chris, for us, because we know that praise is what brings God's glory. The Bible says that God dwells in the praises of his people. He takes up residence. A few minutes ago, God was living here. I hope he's still here. I hope he's still hanging here. Because that, when you call out to him, he will respond back to you and show you great and mighty things, which you know it's not. So here's what happens. Judah, who is a praiser, connects with his brother, Simeon, who is a hearer of the word, and he said, why don't you go up in our lot against the enemy? They made a decision. These two people, one is a praiser, and one is a hearer of the word, because you can't be a hearer of the word and not be a doer of the word. You've got to hear the word. You've got to doer of the word. You've got a praiser. My Lord, all you need now is a grandma. All you, need is just, all you just need one more prayer, prayer partner. There you go. And this, the, these two guys took their two tribes, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Simeon, and they went to a place called Bezek, and there they defeated, defeated the enemy. The Bible says on that day, 10,000 soldiers died. Not one single life was lost, the army of God, but 10,000 of the enemy crashed and burned. The Bible said they went to the, to the king of all, of all this land that they just captured, and his name was Adonai Bezik. Now, we know the word Adonai means Lord, and Bezik means land. We know in, in, in Corinthians uh, that the Bible says that Satan is the Lord of the land. So here you've got somebody representing the Lord of the land. His name is Adonai Bezik, and he has been destroying God's people, capturing God's people, being a bully, being cruel, being unkind. Can anybody relate? No matter what, what you do, right things just don't add up. No matter how much you try to deal with your neighbor, it just gets worse. Can anybody, can anybody relate to that? Well, this, this is Donna Bezik had just been a pain in the ankle. I mean, in the ankle. He, he, he was one of those, he's like that, that, that new Geico commercial. What's he called? Em, em, empathy. He said, I'm, I'm just here to cause harm. I'm just here to take your joy. I'm just here to mess you up. And God said, enough is enough. Aren't you glad when God said enough is enough, then you know you've got your, your tools to fight for the right reason. 
There's a season when God will say, this is the time of war. This is time to prepare your hands for fight. So when they went up against this enemy, Lauren, 10,000 of the enemy died. They went to, the, they went to Bezik to capture this king, Adonai Bezik, Lord of the land. They caught him, and guess what they did? They cut off his thumbs, and they cut off his toes. And here's what Adonai Bezik says. My, my, I have captured 70 kingdoms. I have 70 kings that serve my table. They don't have their thumbs, and they don't have their toes, because when I captured them, I cut their thumbs and toes off. Made that statement. They took him back to Jerusalem, and there he died. You know, the enemy cannot even, the enemy cannot deal with what he's dealt against. The enemy does stuff against you. You turn right around and rebuke the thief in Jesus' name. He gets, he gets scared and runs to know what to do. Can anybody relate? So all, all of a sudden, here they've got these 70 kings that's been captured, this king that's cut off their thumbs and their, and their toes, and now here they're at a place where they can actually do something for God. May I tell you sometimes why we can't do something for God? All of us are kings and priests. We might be baby kings and priests, mature kings and priests, but all of us are kings and priests. All of us go to God as a priest. All of us go out in the land and take the wealth of the wicked as a king. God raises us up to do all of that. That's what God has called us to do, has made us to become in Christ Jesus. The enemy hates the fact that you're a king. He hates the fact that you have that royalty. He hates the fact that you have anything at all. So before you even know what you have, he'll try to disqualify you. When you lose your thumb, you lose your grip. I've lived with a dear part of my life for 45 years that does not have a left thumb. I've watched my dad negotiate. I've watched him reinvent things. I've seen him make tools. When he was a young pastor, he cut off his thumb. Thumb did not grow back. He's lived the majority of his life without a thumb. If you cannot grip anything, if you cannot hold on to what God has given you, the enemy will snatch it from your hands and take what God gave for you and give it to somebody else. You ever felt like that? That sometimes you're were, you were trying to hold on to something, but you didn't really have a good grip. The Bible says hold fast under those things that God gave you. Hold fast to those promises that God has for you. When you lose your big toe, you lose your balance. Do you ever notice today how crazy religion is? I can swing way over here or swing over here. Do you know, do you know that not even religion, but do you know in the world how crazy things are getting? Four days ago, two guys, 140, 130, broke into a house of a very wealthy family, forced the wife to go to the bank, get $15,000. When they came back, they, they molested the wife, the 11-year-old daughter, the 17-year-old daughter. They tried to kill the dad, tied him up, set the house on fire. The dad got away to live, but who would want to live? Who? I, I've not seen things as bad as they are right now. And the Bible says, look in the days of Noah, look in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, look in the days of the flood. In those days, things that are, are going to happen, that you're going to be so repelled and so repelled, it's going to turn your heart and your face back towards things of God. So here's, these, here's, these, here's Judah and Simeon. They go do what God called them to do. If you watch the book of Judges, they would have done a little better, except for one challenge. The Bible says in the book of Judges, six times it says, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. No covering, no accountability, no pastoral counsel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We live in a generation today where people do what they think is right 
in their own eyes. Maybe they don't feel comfortable tithing, so they'll go out and buy a little mom a, a, a cart full of groceries. That's great, but you're still robbing God. Maybe God has called them to sow in a particular area, and they don't like that person in that area, and sow somewhere else, and sow in disobedience. So our, our, our generation seems to have lost its balance. We've, we've lost our grip. But I, I believe that God is a God of restoration. I believe that God is a God that can, can restore every single thing that the enemy has stolen. Look, if, look, if you will, at Luke, the 10th chapter. And then we're going to find an interesting passage. And let me ask you, how many kings lost their thumbs and toes? You remember? Everybody say 70. 70 kings. Okay, here we are. Jesus, let me, let me set it up for you a little bit. Everybody hum their favorite song. No whistling aloud. Are you there, Luke 10? And the Lord sent out 70 others. Are you with me? Verse 10, verse 1. And the Lord sent out, how many disciples? And sent them on ahead in pairs to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. These were the instructions to them. The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers for his fields. Go now and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Do not take any money. A traveler's bag or even an extra pair of sandals and stop, don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Jesus is getting ready to die. He's getting ready to lose his life, getting ready to be sacrificed. He needs to let the disciples know that with him there is power and without him there's power. He said, I'm going to go. I'll be back. While I'm, while I'm gone, I'll send the comforter. Everything that I did, you're going to do. He's going to watch over you, care for you. So here's what happens. Jerry Wright, in, the, in about the end of the three years training, goes, guys, I want 35 teams of two. And I want you to go to cities that I would have gone to. See, although he was omnipresent, he wasn't there. He wasn't everywhere at once when he lived. He chose and selected a human container that said, I will remain confined to this physical body so he couldn't be at five different cities at one time. So instead of trying to go to all five cities in one day, he just raised up five teams of two and sent them in cities he had gone to. He said, don't ask for money. Don't, 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 don't take anything extra. Go to a house. If they receive you, eat what they have to offer you. Don't turn away and, and go from city to city. If a city does not receive you, don't worry about it. Leave that city and go to another. Okay, they, they, they went on. They did all these things the Lord asked them to do. Now look in chapter 10, verse, I want to say 17. Yes. And when the 70 disciples returned, they joyfully, look at some say joyfully, reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan as lightning fallen from heaven, and I've given authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk upon snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice just because of evil spirits that obey you. Rejoice your names are registered as citizens of heaven. Then Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit and said, O oh, Father in heaven, Lord of God, thank you for hiding the truth from those who think themselves so wise. Look at, look at Pastor Hank just for a moment. I'm going to close this right here. 
I appreciate the ministries in this nation that focus on, on demonology. I appreciate the ministries in this nation that focus on deliverance. I believe there are people in my life that need to be delivered. I believe there are people in this city that need to be delivered. But never let us focus on one particular thing that God has asked the church to do. Jesus never told the demons to obey us. Jesus told us to cast out demons. There are a lot of people, and they walk through deliverance and walk through victory. If they aren't careful, there will always be one thing that remains in their closet that they won't address. When you cast him out, it's not to play games. It's not to spar. It's not to say, I have authority over demon powers. No, it's because he's been sent there to steal, kill, and destroy. And you're there to walk in God's favor and power to do what God has told you to do. Here's what the Lord is telling us. You're going to see, you're going to see deliverance. You're going to see victory. You're going to see eyes open. You have seen deliverance. You have seen victory. You've seen eyes open. In the past 20 years, you experienced the things of God, the plans of God, everything that he has for you. But God said, whatever you do, don't get caught up in your gift. Don't get caught up in your ability. Don't get caught up in your money. Get caught up in the fact that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life, and nothing can remove your name from that book. Because of God's faithfulness and power, we, we are what we are, not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. And the enemy can never take that from you. Not only can we do the works that Jesus did, not only can we see it magnified through radio and television, but we what, what the priest could do one time a year, we can do any day of our life and go into his presence and love him and appreciate him. Two things I will leave with you. Don't get hung up about your authority over demons because here's what you're going to do. You're going to stomp upon serpents and scorpions and nothing shall hurt you. There's a new commercial. I, th I hope you've seen it. It's hilarious. It's this uh, real deal white uh, bunny, bunny rabbit uh, kind of hopping along, real rabbit. All of a sudden here's this noise. And looks over. There's a snake. And it's a rattlesnake. It's got the evil looking head. And it's kind of shh. And this, this rabbit begins to panic until he looks. And on the back of the tail of this rattlesnake, there's a baby rattle. Have you seen it? And so, and so the rabbit sees this evil-looking snake with his baby route, and he starts laughing. <laughs> and, and all the rabbits start laughing. I mean, it, it really is hilarious. Let me tell you something. Two, th two things the blood of Jesus will do. You ready? Give you power to walk day by day in the favor and the grace that he's giving you, knowing that you're going to tread where demons are, knowing that demons are going to be out there to bite you on the ankle. That's why he gave you the gospel of peace. And some of you need to wear your boots all the way up to your neck. Just a thought. Might keep out a lot, whole lot more trouble than you've been getting into lately. But he gives us stability as we walk. We watch him pray. We are, we are aware of what the enemy used against us 10 years ago. He might use against us. You, you, whatever battle you won, don't ever think that battle is gone. The enemy will try to bring it up and to raise it back up. But aren't you glad that we can walk with stakes or see them and identify, oh, that's not a word from the Lord. That's a word from the enemy. That's not a move of God. That's, and, and you're able in your spirit to discern the flesh and the spirit. Let me tell you about the scorpion. My first, my, my first encounter with the scorpion, I was probably about 10 years old. 
My parents went on to Oklahoma City for a conference. I stayed with some relatives in the Okima, Oklahoma area. And I saw in the, in the bathtub, I saw there was this thing, never seen one before. So I went to pick it up. And uh, when I went to pick it up, the tail came, the tail came around and it bit me. I was going to keep it. I would name it and make it a pet. I stomped the living daylights out of it and killed it. And then showed it to my uncle and he told me that was a scorpion. Not only can the blood of Jesus protect you from the things that you deal with every day, but the things that come from behind, the things of yesterday, the hurts and memories, the hurts, the losses, the pain, the suffering, the things that the enemy has done to us. God said, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And then what happened in the next verse? The Bible says that God, Jesus got so excited that he began to Galileo. He began to dance. He began to leap. He began to twirl. Listen, when you get your, th- you, when you get your toes back, you get your dance back. When you get your thumbs back, you get your praise back. I'm telling you, when God begins to restore in your life that ability to walk where the enemy, you know the enemy's there, you're, you're, not, immune, you're not immune from it, you're just protected because of his blood. And then when you choose to hit a couple of snakes on your own, it gives you a little extra territory to do other things for the Lord. Oh, you don't want to go there. Every advantage we have, I say, never raise up more demons than we can whip. If you think you raise up, if you think you can deal with it, go, just don't leave me a bunch of junk the next four or five weeks. There are some areas that God does not want us involved in. And I remember we were very, very young, and we were very, very young in ministry, and a young, a young man came to me and had some challenges, and I told him, I, I appreciate your support, but I'm not your pastor. You have a pastor, and he's a good pastor, and you need to go to him. One thing led to another over a 15, about a 15, 15 year window. And this man, unable to take any counseling, took a loaded pistol and murdered his wife because he couldn't talk to the right people or he wouldn't listen to the right people that would make the voices go away. We had a lot, 25, 30 years ago, we had a friend. I did a special teaching on uh, the Satanic Bible. And I would never encourage anybody to read or to get a hold of Satanic not even have it, own it. And uh, at one time, it outsold the Bible two to one on our campuses in, in America. But I, I was teaching the Satanic Bible and I got a phone call. And this, this young lady was very much interested in the occult and very much interested in Satanism, very much interested. And I did not feel her fire. I told her, you absolutely do not need to touch this. I said, I believe God let me go here for a season. I've backed out now, and you don't need to be, be there. We have a dear friend, Mike Warnke, that will tell you as a Satanist, a Satanic priest, he was over a coven. And when he got saved and wanted to share his testimony to God, they told him, if you share your testimony, we'll kill your wife. So some things, if God does not prompt you or push you, God does not raise you up, you don't need to be involved in those things. But aren't you glad that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit lifts up an armor against him. Like a flood. That's, that's what God, oh, come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise in his house for his faithfulness and his goodness and his mercy. The eight things that God wants you to know that you have. I want to be very, very careful how I word this. Hebrews 11 goes all the way from Cain and Abel to the book of Revelation. And a lot of the Bible is addressed to the Jew. God changed Abram's name and put his name, Abraham, 
God's name is Jehovah or Yahweh. It's a breathing. You have to breathe out to, to uh, say the name of God. But God raised up a generation. They weren't miraculous. They weren't better looking. They weren't smarter. Uh, they weren't bigger and tougher and rougher. It was, a, it was a place that he chose to honor a man. And this man, Abram, left everything that, he, everything that he had, went to a land that God had promised, and for the next 20 to 30 years, doesn't hear a word from God. Not a single God, no word. But God begins to promise some things to Abraham. And as God begins to talk about Isaac and Jacob and the 12 sons and going to, going to Egypt and coming out of a great nation, being scattered all over the world, and then regrouping back at the, at the Western Wall, Everything God said to the Jewish nation, he has done. It could have been the German nation. It could have been the Polish nation. It could have been the Russian nation. It could have been the American nation. So God could have picked any place in the world. He chose Jerusalem. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even those that believe on his name. So although I was not born a Jew, and I don't practice the sacrifices or the offerings, I am the part of that nation that's been grafted in to the nation of Israel, and I walk in every single promise that Abraham got. I walk in every single promise that David got, and I walk in every single promise that Jesus got. Everything, everything God promised Jesus, he gave it to me. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are no more the sons of God. For you not receive the spirit of bondage of fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Ashley, Abba, Father. He is our God. That is a, that is a connection he has made with us. Now, Israel, or whatever nation, call, what, what do we call Israel has not yet accepted him, but they will. On that day when he comes with an army and, and, and begins to, to take this world back because it belongs to him, then all of a sudden 144,000 Jews are going to get saved in one night. I wish I could be a part of that altar call. I want you to lift your hands. I, I just got to feel it. Wouldn't that be cool to see over 100,000 people give their heart to God and then put a sword in their hand and go defeat the armies of the Antichrist and for the next thousand years be a time of peace and love and joy. The lion lays down with the lamb and we go do all the things God called us to do. Those days are headed to us. What, was, what I was talking about not being a Jew, I don't have to wait for Rosh Hashanah to get a blessing. I don't have to wait for the, the Feast of Sabbath or the, or the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Offerings. I don't have to wait for those. I walk daily in the promise and provision of the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. And God promises that to us if we're willing to seek it out and go for it. Let me tell you what those promises are. They're all found. I have three minutes. I can do this. In the book of Joel... God begins to scold our generation. And he talks about our fancy houses, talks about our ventures that we've been participating in. Then he comments on the fact that his house is laying in ruin. And then he makes a statement that I've, I mean, we have done it here at Harvest. He makes a statement that we have taken completely out of context. And we made it a praise and worship song here. It has, it's, it's no good to this song. <laughs> There's nothing good that ever comes to this song, but we love to sing. They rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. You need to read that because that's the army coming against us. But it's got a great tune. 
So here, here's what God is saying. There's going to be a war. And there's going to be a time of tragedy. And there's going to be a time when the world, the movie premiere and Outback is not going to be able to satisfy your soul for a couple hours that week. And there's going to be violence. And in that violence, God said, he's coming back for a people that's watching and waiting for him. And to make those people what they need to be, he's going to step into the area of restoration. He talks about four different types of insects that's going to attack a plant. One of these insects actually attacks the root, so the plant just dies. One of these, uh, these insects attack the seed, so even if there is a harvest, there can never be another harvest. Then it attacks the leaf which you're, you're covering, so that the sun or another insect can see and come eat your fruit before it's time, and then it attacks your fruit. I want you to think about anybody that's had a tough time with drugs. Anybody's had a tough time in a marriage. Anybody's had a tough time being a single child or a single mom or dad. It just seems like that there are consistently the enemy is trying to come against our foundational truths. He's trying to come against, here we are trying to have fruit and minister to God and bless God. We, we, we get to a place, and I'll just share this, Pastor Ron did mention something that Jason did months and months and months ago. He was pulled over. They pulled a docket on his license. They, he was under warrant. He went to jail. Jason has been clean, healthy, and whole for six months at this house. But because of something that happened yesterday, are you with me? He's paying for that today. That's, that's where the enemy is trying to, to, to kill his foundation. This is the only second church he's ever, he's ever been to. So everything that he's learned about God the past six months, any fruit that he would have at Queen for a day or any time he has a chance to minister, any, any seed that he would sow, he's not afraid to sow, and the, the part of the covering, right now, he's under attack in all those areas. That's why, that's why Jesus said, I was in prison, and you came and visited me. We're going to go tomorrow, we're going to visit, see if we can talk to the judge, and then let him out on his own OR. Pray that God will allow that to happen. But here's what God wants you to know. The four areas of your life that's under attack, where there's a foundation, whether it's your fruit, whether it's a seed, whether it's a covering. God said, I will restore what the canker worms and the pommel worms have eaten. Your young men shall prophesy, your young men shall prophesy, and ladies shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and I will bring revival and restoration to the land. Eight things God wants you to have in this restoration. Now watch this. Annabelle, I don't have to I don't have to worry about missing young young Gabor yesterday. Because in the, in the covering of being grafted in the tree, I'm a candidate for all the blessings God has for me. I, I love it. A few years ago, uh, Brother Perry Stone came and preached in October, being a special time. I don't, how many remember that message? That in that window in October, God was going to do something special. You know what? God did, but he also did something special in January. He also did something special in March. It's like, if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. For he's a God that will not hide, but he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'll give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Eight things God wants you to have. Increase. Increase. Not extra to spend, extra to mend. Listen, I didn't get that from Joyce Meyer. I just made that up. So that was a good feeling. I'd get back in See if I can get in the groove here. A time of increase. I noticed in the I noticed in the lobby there were groceries. I noticed there were groceries. I noticed different things were happening. People's coming. Just to, just to share, just to be a blessing. I thank God for that. The little boy, what I like about the little boy, he was never asked for an offering. Dustin, he was never asked for 
a tenth. He took his lunch. He was there. He noticed Jesus needed it, and he offered it to him. How cool is that? So there's got to be a button that God pushes on the inside of us that we give, not because we feel pressured, not because there's a need, not because we feel like it's the right thing to do, but because we have extra. We don't need all that we have, and we're able to give some of that away to do something else for somebody else. That's good. You guys are nodding pretty good. That's, that's good. The second thing is that God wants you to have, and we're going to call it revelation, but really it's more like illumination. There'll be times when you'll read the very same chapter of the Bible, the very same scripture, and Pastor Connie, you'll read it and say, I have read that. That's my favorite scripture. I had never seen that before in my life. Anybody relate? I remember 29 years ago when I was in Anchorage, Alaska, God gave me a word about the eagle. And it talked about mounting up his wings as eagles, and I preached it, preached it, preached it. And one day God showed me that is the rapture of the New Testament church. Because the word wait there in Hebrew does not mean tarry or serve. It means to bind together or to gather together with a greater force. And the Bible says they that gather together with God, the first thing we're going to do, the dead in Christ are going to rise and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Over that a hundred times. So if, if, you, if you look at your Bible as something that God is hiding, not, not from you, before you. See, the devil was the first one to create a quote scripture. Hath God said, quote it three times when he took Jesus up in the mountain, quoted it wrong. God wants to make sure you get it right. That's why there's got to be energy on your part, effort on your part, relationship on your part to try to study it out and see what it, what it says. Wants you to have increase. He wants you to have revelation, illumination, inspiration, however you want to label that. He wants you to have a fresh anointing. Laying on the couch this morning, not, not really sure what I was going to do. This song, I can only imagine that song's very precious for me because when my, when my sister went to be with the Lord, uh, Austin did such a beautiful job making a, a, a memory of that. But as I was playing this morning, I noticed automatically my hand just going, I was laying on the couch, my hand just going up, tears flowing down my face, I begin to cry, and I received today a fresh anointing. God, God wants us from time to time to plug into something that's new. Just a thought, just a... The, the fourth thing that God wants you to have is his power. It's his power. It's not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. And when God gives you all the things that he has, you begin to move in that activity of any snake that tries to bite, bite you, you can stomp them down. Any scorpion that tries to bite you, you can walk away from. That's pretty cool power for you to have. The fifth thing that God wants you to have, and we hit this real hard, is Restoration. It will be one month, it will be a day in the month of October, but the 55 Chevy will be in the lobby, and it will live. It's got a big old monster headers and motor, and a, Kenny, a, a, a bumblebee yellow interior. We started, how I many when we started that starting a long time ago? We had a motor, then we had a transmission, we had, does that mean you want me to stop, stop preaching, you dim the lights at me? Okay. Sixth thing God wants you to have is financial abundance. Do you realize today that God is allowing the enemy to hide things for you? Let me ask you a question. How many, how many has felt like in the past 24 months, something has been robbed of you? Something robbed of you. Okay, that something has been robbed of you. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? You woke up one day, something was missing, something was taken, something was lost. Where'd it go? Let me tell you something. There's nowhere the enemy can hide anything 
that God can't see. Nowhere. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to the highest mountain, camp out there in the cave, you're there. You cannot hide things from God. And God's interest rate is so much higher than our interest rate that if we just wake up with the attitude of believing, if we ask, we shall receive. If we seek, we shall find. There's some things that God has out there for you that no one else is ever going to use. Do you know that? Our government gives away billions, billions of dollars a year, but they also have account. They give nothing away because nobody asks for it. There are things that God, the, you may feel like, man, the enemy stole that from me. No, he stole it from God. The earth is the Lord, the fullness of the world, and they that dwell therein, uh, Psalm 24 and 1. So when you're robbed, it's the enemy robbing stuff that God gave you. And guess what? When the enemy goes to hide it, God watches over it, adds to it, blesses it, multiplies it, and gives it back good measure, shaken together, and running over shall God give it back to you. That should excite somebody in the place. That's exciting. We will conclude with the next two. No shame but deliverance. No shame. When God's presence comes, it drives away all the shame. I shared this Sunday morning about 1,200 people in the congregation. I looked at all 1,200 of them. I said, no matter what you've done in your life, if you've ever been a loser, God can use you in a great way. Think about that for a minute. The greatest of God's champions messed up. The greatest of God's champions failed. The ones that saw the, the Red Sea parted. The ones that saw the water turn into wine. The ones that were given that, that gift of exhortation. They all failed him. They all dropped the ball. But God can take people that are broken, that will bring their brokenness to Jesus, and not try to tell the potter how to put it back together, but just place ourselves upon the altar of God, and then the potter can look at it and say, you know what? I've got, I can do something even better with this than I had originally tended. Why? Because they've been through the fire. They've been through the storm. They've been through the smoke. They've been through the thunder. They've been through the lightning, and they have stayed the course. There was a bump in the road, but it didn't throw them off. There was someone that tried to attack, but they didn't stay and fight. They walked where I wanted to go, and under my grace, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ever ask or think. That's us. Come help me, Miss Wendy. I want to thank God for his redeeming strength and grace. Before I came to the sanctuary, I was laying in the back of the conference room. And Dean came in and said, you okay? I said, sure I am. It's amazing how much power there is in our words. It's amazing how much favor God gives us when you're not realizer. Pastor Ron and I got some negative news this week. And it came at such a time that I could not address it. So Pastor Rhonda put her extensions in, and she went, she went with that little walk. And the system that she had to confront immediately began to declare those things would not be. I think, I think they saw her on, on TBM, scared to death of her personally. I got a couple of renters I'm going to send her to tomorrow afternoon. There is no certain hour for you to call. Call them when you want to. Tell them what you need. There's no certain hour. 
David said, I will call on the Lord, and he will hear my crying. And he will bring me out of the miry clay, out of the pit, set my feet upon a rock, establish my goings and comings, and put a new song in my mouth. God wants you to have a new song today. God wants you to have a song of victory, of hope, of strength. We just speak 10 years on your life. We got a whole bunch of quilts and stuff we got to make. We got some, Pastor Ron got invited to go to the jails here. I like to give everybody in jail, an Af, Af, what do you call it? Afghan. You will, can we do that? Can we? I just, felt, I just felt, you know what? There's so many, so many ways we can touch God that we're not touching him. We have fruit at every emergency room in the, in the, in the hospitals. That was our idea. God gave us that idea. There's got to be something that we can do to promote and further the kingdom of God. Father, allow me to be accountable and responsible for the word that you gave me this morning. A word I did not feel in my strength prepared, but you helped me in yours. Because in my weakness, you're always made strong. Thank you for the hearts that you've touched. Thank you for the drama and the praise and worship. That we stand in your presence and we know that you're close. We know that you're near. Let us hear the words of the prophet. God uses losers. God uses failures. God uses prideful vessels that call, fall upon their face and call upon the name of the Lord. God uses his DNA to bring sight, physical, spiritual, moral. We pray that there be a special covering in this house as we promise these blessings of Yom Kippur. We're reminded to, to begin this, we're to give God a gift. But Father, it's not about us giving gifts. It's a fact that we are your sons and daughters and you've lined us up for a blessing. You told Abraham, and God, let us please remember those words because we are grafted in to that avocado tree, Abraham. You told Abraham, I'm going to bless you for one reason and one reason only, so that you can bless others. Put your hand in your heart and your bosom and say, I, I was created, and I was born, and I matured to be a blessing to somebody else. I will affect the place that I'm in. If it's dark, it will become light. If it's boring, it will become fun. If it's scary, it will become glorious. It's not me, not my strength, not my knowledge, but it's my God that chose to pick up this instrument and play his song through me. And I will sing as long as he's leading. In Jesus' name.